campaign, recruiting retail and restaurants to your downtown. Thank you all for attending this webinar live and good news is it will be recorded. So we're gonna go through about 30 minutes right now of recruit and retain. There's a lot of good information here for you and just appreciate all of you participating in this webinar. I know we've had a lot of webinars coming at us lately, a lot of good information out there and, and we're excited to have your attention today. So you will receive a recording of this webinar within 24 hours and the deck that comes with it. And Jen Gregory is the president of Downtown Strategies and has a, a lot of good information, very well versed on downtown. Appreciate your attention to downtown. And obviously in these changing times, downtown is so critically important to the vitality of our economies and our businesses and commerce. So let's go ahead, Jen, I'm having a little bit of trouble advancing to the next slide for some reason. There we go. Okay, so today we're going to cover what is the difference in national retail versus local retail? They, those two items are very different and you might subconsciously know that, but we're actually going to put some terms around those differences about how the recruitment strategies are different and how economic development and communities need to think about these two things differently. Obviously right now in the COVID-19, there's a lot of disruption in retail. So we're going to talk about some of those trends on a high level and then the eight steps to recruiting retail and restaurants to your downtown and then ultimately Q&A. As I mentioned, this is about a 30-minute webinar. Please hold your questions to the end. Go ahead and type them in throughout the course of this webinar, but we're going to save some time at the end to address each of those questions. Um, so let's talk a little bit about there we go. Um, retail strategies. We are based out of Birmingham, Alabama, but we work across the country with communities. And there's really three different service lines that we have as solutions to communities looking to grow their retail and restaurant base. So number one is retail recruitment, where we develop a retail recruitment plan for the community, and then we serve as an extension of your staff to implement that retail recruitment plan. We also have Retail Academy, where we develop a retail recruitment plan for your community, and then we train you on how to implement that plan. And finally, we have Downtown Strategies, communities across the country that we visit with about solutions express their desire to revitalize their downtown, grow their downtown, because it's so critically important to the character of the community. And we launched Downtown Strategies about a year and a half ago and it has just really helped with the holistic approach to recruiting retail because there is a difference in national retail and local retail which we're going to talk about in a minute. I'm Lacey Beasley. I'm the president of Retail Strategies and it's my pleasure today to introduce our key speaker with all the knowledge, Jen Gregory, president of Downtown Strategies. Jen served as the CEO of the Greater Startable Development Partnership for several years, oversaw the initiative to revitalize Startable Mississippi, very experienced in downtown revitalization from that hands-on approach. And the way that we first met Jen was actually working together. The city of Startville hired downtown strategies. We worked together on several solutions and just so impressed at 
what Jen did for Downtown Startville, and ultimately we came together, and now she is running the Downtown Strategies Program. She has been named Top 50 Under 40 by the Mississippi Business Journal. Uh, she is the president of Parents for Public Schools in Startville, and she's also the vice president of operations for Bully Block, a nonpartisan PAC that supports Mississippi State University alumni in political positions in Mississippi. Um, she is very active in everything she does across the country with Main Street America, has written several articles for them, and has become just really nationally a go-to source for solutions for downtown. And that's where this information comes from today that we're giving you. There's a lot of information. As I mentioned, we're going to keep this to 30 minutes, so we're going to do our best to keep it tight as we go through it. So bear with us as we move fairly quickly. As I mentioned, you will receive this recording in deck afterwards, and we will follow up with you after this webinar so we can take a deeper dive on any aspect of this that you want to learn more about. But what I think is so important to hit on is when we're looking at those national retailers, what do national retailers do for our community? They serve those daily needs that our citizens need, that they want. And they also help a great deal with the sales tax base of our communities. So these retailers, those on the, the top here, you see Walmart, Costco, Home Depot, you know, on average Target is going to do $50 million a year. Walmart will do anywhere from 70 to $100 million a year in sales. Costco might do $150 million in sales, right? So it is a huge return on investment when you focus on retail and what you get back in sales tax collection. But it's also a great deal of jobs, and especially for our smaller communities, sometimes your retail uh, employers are the largest employer in town, right? So even something as small as a fast food restaurant will do a, at a minimum a million dollars a year. So when you're looking at that sales tax return in those jobs, it's so important to focus on the nationals. And a lot of times retail, the I look at this breakdown. I think this is amazing. The first time I saw that McDonald's on average does $2.7 million a year, then it helps you understand and separate what is the economic return of retail recruitment and what it can do for sales tax, jobs, property tax versus just your individual emotional connection with that brand, right? So it is about building your budget at the end of the year. Everybody wants Chick-fil-A if they don't already have them. And, and that's proven with these annual sales numbers you can see from Chick-fil-A. So this is just a sampling of these national retailers that are everywhere across America. You look at Starbucks here, and Starbucks has 30,000 locations in America, right? So these are the kind of generic brands that you can find anywhere for the most part, not anywhere, but in, in a lot of different communities throughout the country that help drive that retail base. Now, when you're looking at um, the jobs and the wages of retail, oftentimes it's ignored because the perception is they are low paying jobs, but that's because a lot of them are part-time, they're seasonal, they're temporary. But if you compare apples to apples, full-time jobs, age 25 to 54, retail jobs actually pay more than non-retail jobs. This is the National Retail Federation in a study that they did. 
So let's take that deeper dive on what separates the nationals versus the locals. I mentioned earlier Starbucks and how they have 30,000 locations. And you think about your local coffee shop that is in your community and how different that is by a series of different things. So what drives national retail are these five universal site metrics. They, each one of these items impacts their sales volumes that we just talked about. And that retailer is going to run a pro forma and look at sales volumes and say, okay, here's what it takes for us to be profitable. They want a lot of parking. They want great signage. They want co-tenancy to be right next to other retailers that has that cross shopping that share the same retail hours. They want the highest traffic count in town and they want ingress and egress that is easy with for to get in that shopping center or in to, to access that retailer or that restaurant, right? And you look at these type of things and you realize that each one of them is a, not what downtown traditionally is going to offer with the real estate. So these are the real estate drivers that impact sales volumes that is why national retailers go out on the highway with the major traffic where they have a signalized intersection and just a sea of parking right in front of their door and how different that is from what downtown has to offer. And for that reason, downtown is better suited to those local entrepreneurs and really that character. So this is the coffee shop that is not Starbucks. This is a place where people come, share a cup of coffee on their weekdays and really get caught up on the town gossip, right? This is the place where you host the festivals or people come for an experience. This is what drives tourism. It is that unique experience that you can offer citizens locally and beyond local that really drives that connectivity to community, to commerce, and downtown is so important for the fiber and character and the heart and soul of your community, which is so different from that national retail. So you need both. One's an economic driver for daily needs, and the other is what makes your community unique. And that's why we take different strategies for how we approach national and how we approach local. Jen Gregory focuses specifically on downtown revitalization and local businesses. So what's happening in the world right now with COVID-19, what we have realized is that, you know, there's growing trends for online sales. This is something we've seen over the years continue to be a driving force for different retailers. But up to this point, it's still been a fairly small percentage of overall retail sales. Over the last decade, then it's overall retail sales, the percentage of e-commerce has been really less than 10%. Well, there was a huge jump this year where now we're looking at 16% of overall retail sales that are conducted on are conducted online. You can see category by category about how those vary, but ultimately what every retailer needs, national or local, is a combination, a seamless integration between their brick and mortar location and their online store. And the pandemic has really brought attention to this as businesses were forced to look at as they were forced to close their doors or limit their capacity, the best way that they could drive sales was through online. 
So this chart is showing that we are seeing a lot of disruption in retail. There's a series of different categories where you're seeing closures, but you're also seeing openings. So I'm going to encourage you to take a look when you see articles, then what's happening with the closures, but there's also a lot of openings that are happening. And you really need to drive in on that brand and the category. So we're finding that grocery, home improvement, general merchandise, and QSRs, quick service restaurants, are actually all faring very well during the pandemic. The categories that are hit the hardest right now are really going along the lines of apparel and furniture in some of those categories. Uh, but a lot of retailers we're talking to say if they're well capitalized and they have a good omni-channeling strategy and a good e-commerce strategy, then they're staying the course. They're going to continue to open in 2021. And they know that this is just a temporary pause on a lot of things that they had planned to do this year. So there's some uncertainty in the world that Retail is not dead, it's just changing, and it varies category by category. And so you take those best practices from those national retailers and apply them to the local retailers. This is a shocking report that Main Street America came out with in April of 2020 that said that 63% of small businesses do not have an online sales component which blew us away. And this has forced small businesses to develop that online sales component that will carry them into the future. And we have a completely separate webinar that just focuses on this. This is not what we're gonna focus on today, but you as community leaders, we really encourage you to look at your small businesses, identify if they have an online sales component or not. And if they don't, let us know. We're happy to provide the information on how they can get that set up right now. So I'm not, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Jen Gregory to really get into the meat to the content of this webinar, which is the eight steps to recruit and retain restaurants to your downtown. Go ahead, Jen. All right. Thank you so much, Lacey. Really appreciate you sharing your expertise. And I think it's really important for downtown practitioners and city leaders to understand that national retail is important for communities, for that sales tax volume that Lacey mentioned, and certainly jobs. But ultimately, what we all know is that what's memorable about a community is the downtown and are those local restaurants and retailers that you really can't find anywhere else. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And as a downtown practitioner, I know and many of you know that oftentimes this part of the discussion is left out of professional development, conferences. We focus so much on the design of downtowns, about the built environment, streetscapes, landscaping, festivals, signage, facades, and all of those things that are so important. But ultimately, we want downtowns to be an economic engine. And for that to be the case, we need to have a robust mix of businesses downtown. So today we're going to look at eight simple steps. And when we look at this list, we might think, oh, well, that all is so simple and, and probably easy to do. And the good news is, yes, this is relatively easy, but it does take a really coordinated effort. And so that's what we're going to talk about today from beginning to end, forming your team and then closing deals and sharing success. So the first step uh, for recruiting retail and restaurants to your downtown is forming your team. And many of you may be downtown practitioners yourselves, you may be city leaders, um, but ultimately 
having a team that can pull together all the, the needed resources to tell the story of your downtown and match up available real estate with good qualified prospects really takes a team effort. Also, we do kind of want to say as a disclaimer, we value the real estate staff in your local community. So we're certainly not telling you that you need to be a real estate agent or that you need to take their place. But many properties, as we all know, in a downtown area are available either for sale or for lease. And many times those properties aren't listed. So that's really where you come in as a valued member. So selecting the team is important. Um, we definitely want to show leadership here and some some key members of the community that could be part of your team would include established business owners, local real estate professionals that want to work with you to make a more robust business mix downtown, current business owners who are interested in exploring new uses for their properties, bankers, local entrepreneurship and development organizations like your local chapter of the Small Business Association, or if you're in a college or community college town, certainly working with the uh, e-centers or those entrepreneurship centers at those institutions elected officials and chamber of commerce and convention and visitors bureau representatives are all great people to think about for adding to your team what you want to think about as next steps is selecting the team members developing a common purpose so what is the goal here are you wanting to have 100 percent occupancy are you wanting to just develop a prospect list so that when you do have vacancies you know what to do um, really what is your goal here? And then last, drafting a work plan. Um, certainly, as we really believe in downtown strategies, and we know that you do as well, is that downtown revitalization is a holistic approach and technique. You can't just bring new prospects to fill vacancies. Many times, those prospects want to see foot traffic downtown. How do you get foot traffic downtown if you have a bunch of vacancies? So really it's a holistic approach that we um, would love to help you with, but certainly that work plan is gonna help you from beginning to end. The second step is fostering a business friendly environment. And this is something that um, I feel like oftentimes is neglected or ignored in community. So really wanna encourage you to, to dig in on this specific step. You know, before the actual recruitment can begin, the team has to make sure that the district presents itself as an inviting place to do business. And so I, I mentioned a little bit that holistic approach. So when you see the next steps on this slide, making the environment appealing is certainly something that we know all of you are committed to and we're all thinking about every day. But the next step is something that does require a little bit more knowledge and digging in a bit, and that's overcoming barriers to investment in the district. So if you have vacancies, why is that? If you have uh, prospective businesses, entrepreneurs that have kicked around the idea of opening a new business downtown, why haven't they? Oftentimes barriers to investing in a downtown business district include higher land costs, title problems with a specific property, uh, permitting, that's complex or time consuming. That's, of course, all through your city and through the building department. Zoning that may be a little bit more restrictive. Site prep for new construction, that's complex. 
construction and renovations that might be complex for a specific building. Many of you probably have historic properties in your downtown and that can sometimes be daunting um, renovating or rehabbing a historic property. Maybe the building footprints smaller than these typical developers are used to dealing with and so understanding how to maximize every square foot and multiple floors might be a barrier. And then lastly, our favorite topic as downtown practitioners, parking that may be restrictive or might uh, be perceived to be limited. Now, certainly understanding what those barriers are is very important. What we're not saying is that you need to eliminate all of those barriers because we are very big proponents here at Downtown Strategies for proper zoning downtown. We do believe that a more urban use and zoning requirements for a downtown, like a form-based code, really lends itself better to downtown development. So we believe that zoning codes and all of those things need to be in place, but helping developers or prospects navigate through those is very important. And oftentimes your job as a city leader is really just to help people through the process and help them understand the process from beginning to end. Also, your job and something that we deal with frequently with, with our partners across the country is perception. You might have a pretty simple process and permitting process within your city, but if a local developer has, has had a difficult time or hasn't gotten through the project that he or she wants, they may spread the word that it's difficult to do business in your city. And that can be something that's hard to overcome. Similarly, I feel like every downtown that we work with thinks that they have a parking problem. And many times there is limited parking, but with proper signage, pointing people to public lots, shared use agreements and elements like that, the parking can be available as needed to businesses um, and changing that perception is, is easier than we might think. Then the third step here for fostering a business-friendly environment is to offer incentives. And many times commercial corridors within the community might be eligible for tax increment financing, both on a local level or a state level, or even we think oftentimes that cities offer incentives for those industrial projects that create a lot of jobs. But like Lacey said, retail does create jobs in communities and those jobs are relatively good paying jobs. And so working with your mayor, city council, county supervisors, or really whoever it may be, your economic development authority, to consider what types of incentives could be offered on a local level is a great way to foster development and new tenants in a downtown area. And we can certainly help you with that. The third step to recruiting retail and restaurants to your downtown is understanding your market. Retail recruiting begins with really understanding the, the current economic status of your community. Who are your existing customers? What are their patterns in terms of categorical expenses? And what categories of businesses are you missing that could realistically be supported in your downtown? So we're going to dig into these three tools that you see listed here, identifying the trade area, comparing supply versus demand to develop focus categories, and understanding walkability and adjacent assets. For those of you that stick with us through this webinar, we're going to reach out to you and provide you 
with a walkability assessment and a retail focused categories report so that hopefully that can help jumpstart your recruitment efforts. But I want to take just a minute to, to sort of dig into what these tools are and why they're important to retail recruitment. So the first is understanding the customized trade area for your community. Many times when we work with city leaders, we hear that the municipal boundaries is our trade area. You know, this is our city, this is who our consumers are. But what we know from working in this industry is that consumers cross municipal boundaries all the time for shopping. If there's a great downtown 20 minutes away, you might go there for dinner. If there's a shop that offers something that you can't get locally, you'll check that out as well. So using cell phone activity in and out of a market, we can help you understand what the true trade area is what people are spending their money on in and outside of the trade area and what categories of businesses you should be focused on re recruiting that we think can realistically do well in your area. Retailers often want to know also who lives within a walkable distance to this specific piece of real estate within a 5, 10 or 20 minute walk time. How many rooftops are there? What are the demographics and what assets exist within that walkable distance? And we can help you understand that as well. Commute patterns is something that's also important. Retailers wanna know the daytime patterns of their consumers. Where do they work? How long are they in the car? Are they walking, driving, carpooling to work? So understanding these commute patterns helps retailers make good decisions about what real estate they should invest in and where. The fourth step to recruiting retail and restaurants to your downtown is inventorying your real estate. Those of us in the Main Street world oftentimes call this a building and business inventory, and it's very, very important. This is something that, um, that we provide to our partners, but that you could create as well. This is literally just an Excel spreadsheet that populates all the different parcels within your downtown district. So every piece of property and then all of the tax information associated with that property. So what is the valuation of the land, the building total? What is the square footage of the land? And most importantly, what's the square footage of that building? When was it built? Is it on the National Register of Historic Properties? And then who owns it? These are all things that you can continue to populate to make this inventory work for you. You might also want to color code those properties that are vacant or those that you know are available to lease. If you happen to know the lease price just by building relationships with the current tenants, that would be important to add to this as well. And when we're talking about inventorying your real estate, we're talking about three different categories. One is land for new development. So is there just a piece of green land that's available for someone to buy and build something on? Existing vacant space, a building that had a tenant but currently doesn't anymore. And then third, buildings or properties that are prime catalyst opportunities for redevelopment or adaptive reuse. And we also want to mention, this is something that Lacey talks about a lot with her partners and with national retail, but it certainly applies on a local level, maybe even more so. And that's the four D's of real estate. These four factors really help move a property. I can't tell you the number of times that our downtown partners say, we have people that want to invest in our downtown, but this specific property owner who owns half of our downtown won't do anything with his property. 
we've been able to help our partners move past that, but probably many of you can identify that as well. These four Ds of real estate oftentimes help a property owner move a certain piece of property, and that's death, divorce, desperation, and disaster, natural disaster. And when we think about it, we're in a global pandemic. Some of these Ds are happening right now. Now is a great time for you guys to be inventorying your real estate so that you can be ready when these properties move. The fifth step is probably the hardest, um, takes the most amount of time, but is probably one of the most important, and that's identifying prospects. You wanna to put together a list of potential businesses by thinking about existing businesses in other cities or regions near you, regional concepts that might be looking to open another business in another downtown, or even in some downtowns, there are national brands that, that like urban and dense environments. So that might apply to your specific downtown. As we mentioned, we're gonna provide you with a recruitment focus categories report based on your specific community and your market. And part of what you'll receive will look like this, where we'll point out the top four or five categories of businesses that we think you should pursue. Taking that information, you'll wanna think about retail leads. These are four categories of downtown retail leads. And as I mentioned, existing businesses within or near the business district. Is there a business that's located on your commercial corridor that isn't doing that well, that you think would be much better suited downtown? Emerging entrepreneurs working with those small business development centers or your universities to understand potential startups and how you can support them. Existing local or regional businesses in adjacent communities and then national chains. And you'll also want to think about the ideal tenant mix downtown. So using this inventory, how many restaurants do you currently have? How many retailers, service providers, municipal space? You want to have a good variety of mix within uses in your downtown area. The sixth step that we're going to talk about for recruitment today is probably the most fun, and that's assembling the recruitment and marketing materials needed to tell the story of what you have available downtown. So with step five, when we talked about putting the prospect list together, what we're really doing is taking those focus categories, so what you know is missing, and then taking available real estate, um, and really matching those up together with a qualified prospect. So in order to do that, you're gonna to need to tell your story. This is a retail uh, guide that we put together for one of our partners, Seymour, Texas, that you can see identify some of these key elements that need to be on your marketing pieces, which are identified on the right side of your screen. You need to have a map. Where is your community? Where is your downtown boundaries? What area are we talking about? Demographics are very important. Those focus categories that we're gonna help you with. Focus properties. Does the city own a couple of downtown business or a couple of downtown buildings that they're wanting to rehab? Those would be great to include in these focus properties um, or just areas or buildings that you think have a great potential for redevelopment. Property specific information, taking it straight from your inventory. How many square feet is the, is the building? Um, and then contact information. You wanna be able to foster relationships with prospects. The seventh step is making outreach to those prospects. And for a downtown focus and a more local effort, 
this is really going to be a grassroots effort. So what Lacey does every day and what a lot of our partners at our company do is make outreach to representatives for these national tenants. What you're going to be doing is going to that brewery in the town, you know, 60 miles away that you think would fit perfectly in your community. So the outreach steps include sending emails, making recruitment calls, visiting those businesses, posting the prospect in your community, and then following up. And here's a sample email that we've drafted. Again, you'll receive this PowerPoint deck, and we've kind of highlighted some key elements that we think you should use when reaching out to these prospects. The name of the building, how many square feet the building is, any current tenants or past tenants that might be memorable, and as always, a way to get back in touch with you. And then the last step, again, another really fun step is closing deals and sharing your success. Loose lips sink ships. And this is something that our company really preaches. So if you're going to be involved in retail recruitment, it has to be kept really tight. All of these elements have to be done in a very confidential manner. And the deal's not done until the contract is signed and that tenant is in their new space and you have a ribbon cutting for them. And so we want you to get that success that you need and deserve in your community. We know this was a really quick rundown of these eight steps, but hopefully this piqued your interest. Hopefully you can start to formulate your team and make a work plan from beginning to end. How can you get new businesses in your community? And of course, we'd love to help you with that as well. So now I'm going to turn it back over to Lacey to see if we had any questions. And if we didn't, then we'll close it out and send you on your way. Lacey? Yeah, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you for giving that very quick rundown and, and just really simplifying it step by step for each of the communities. And thank you for everybody for hanging with us. We're just a couple minutes over. And if you have time, uh, feel free to hang with us a little bit longer. Happy to accept any questions. If you have some, go ahead and plug those in. Right now, we don't have any questions. But as a reminder, each of you will receive a walkability analysis for sticking with us through this webinar and you will be hearing from our team at retail strategies one of uh one of our team members will be reaching out to you to identify which aspect of this that you want to take a deeper dive on what some of your unique goals challenges struggles or desires are for your community and uh, how we can help with those solutions but the great thing is that walkability analysis will be customized for your downtown and along with that will be also the key categories uh, to focus on for retail recruitment which is really important one question that has popped up here is is there an ideal retail mix restaurant versus shops versus services in downtown and maybe according to population. Jen, do you have some thoughts on that? Absolutely. So, you know, there are some percentage kind of template mixes that float around within professional development circles and at conferences. But I'll tell you, I really think it completely depends on the community. For example, if you are a college town or a community that experiences, you know, a lot of tourism, your needs and your mix is going to be very different from a community that's a little bit more quiet and serves mostly residents. I will say, though, that restaurants are a key catalyst for downtowns. And so we always want to see 
restaurants really anchor the downtown. I personally like to see my general rule of thumb is about 70% retail restaurant mixed with 30% service providers. And when we when we say service providers, we're, we're talking about salons, fitness users, and places like that that really um, foster activity. If you have lawyers and accountants and folks like that, they love being downtown, but we would really encourage you to encourage them to locate on some of your side streets so that they can still be near the courthouse and do the business that they need, but so that you can reserve that prime Main Street frontage for retail and restaurants. Thank you. Great, great thoughts and comments there, Jen. Here's another question. As a part of the recruitment process, have we seen communities develop a sophisticated strategy for bringing local online stores or Etsy type shops to the downtown? So what have you seen as far as the community leaders helping the local businesses in developing their online strategy? That is a wonderful question. And yes, we have seen that. And I'll tell you, I personally, personally believe that with us currently being in this pandemic reality we find ourselves in, and as Lacey mentioned, more and more people shopping online, that this is something that is a huge opportunity for downtowns. And that's really getting those businesses that have excelled online and getting them into the brick, or, brick and mortar space so that they can exist in both spaces. Ways that you can foster this are through uh, events and programs like your farmer's market. We work in a community that has successfully incubated two uh, market vendors into brick and mortar stores. These were restaurants that came and sold their baked goods, their biscuits or their European pastries at the market every Saturday really developed a very loyal following that gave them the confidence that they needed to open up a brick and mortar store. The same concept would apply for these retailers that are existing online. So what we would encourage you to do would be to maybe inventory what vacant space that you have, and you all should have received a creative solutions for backfilling downtown vacancies ebook that we put together for you. In that ebook, you'll see a suggestion for working with property owners for short-term leases. So if you have a couple of vacancies, um, can you work with those property owners for a 30-day lease or a three-month lease? And perhaps your downtown organization create a fall pop-up series where you reach out to those entrepreneurs that are existing online, those Etsy store users or those folks that are selling clothes or hair bows or whatever out of their home and invite them to pop up in a vacant space downtown for a period of time, whether it's a weekend, a month, or a three month. Now, the downtown organization will really need to promote this and advertise it to get the word out to the community, but with social media and the online presence that those stores currently have, there's really a great opportunity to, to introduce themselves to the community in a brick and mortar, uh, in a brick and mortar way. Thank you. Great, great thoughts there, Jen. Um, here's another question. Uh, what is, it says, a first step to revitalization that it is in a um, comma? Hmm, not sure I fully understand that question. Um, Lee, can you elaborate on that? 
Yeah, and maybe what maybe Lee, um, what you're asking is, you know, what do we what do you need to do for a downtown that's really almost dead, um, that doesn't have anything? Oh. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> yes, um, that makes sense. And that's a great Thank question. you, Jen. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question because a lot of times people feel so overwhelmed. What I would literally encourage you to do is first look at your market. Um, oftentimes, we 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 talk to partners and they want help. They don't know where to begin. But to us, having market-based um, and market supported recommendations is so important. So really understanding, and we'll help you with that by providing your retail focus categories first. What are you missing that can be supported? Then what I would really encourage you to do is something to increase downtown activity. Obviously, you probably don't have people coming downtown to shop right now. If you don't have a lot of retailers, and that's okay. Can you have a downtown event and yes, we're helping communities put on events even during COVID-19. It's difficult and it's different, but how can you get people to come downtown to experience the place and then have vendors pop up, entrepreneurs pop up, even if it's just under a white tent, almost like a market so that people can experience these new entrepreneurs. That's definitely something that we've seen be successful. Um, and we'd love to talk with you more about solutions like that because it there is hope and there are opportunities. Um, every downtown has to start at a different place, but understanding the market first and understanding what those market opportunities are is what we would recommend for a first step. Thank you, Jen. Great, great question and great answer. Um, that wraps it up for our questions. Thank you for all of you for hanging with us a little bit past uh, the allocated time. As we mentioned, that you will receive a recording of this, you will receive the deck, and you will be hearing from one of the team members at Retail Strategies to visit with you very specifically about your downtown. Thank you all for the hard work that you do in revitalizing your communities. Thank you for your interest in retail recruitment and downtown revitalization. Wishing you all a very successful week. Please stay tuned. There's a lot of information on our website at retailstrategies.com. There's a series of webinars, articles, and resources there. So please tap into that and use those. We are just here to help because the better we can all work together, the more information we have, the better we can revitalize our communities and we all win. So thank you for your commitment and have a great week. Thank you. Bye.